Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. I love my HBCU And boy, boy. I love it, love it yeah. I love it, love it yeah. I love my HBCU And man yeah. I hope my team they won one yeah. I hope my team they won one yeah. man. I hope my team they won one yeah. I hope my team they won one yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab To see if my team won a lot If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth But if they won, she tab uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about They compress the analytic data with your hip-hop If you know them like I know them They gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot And who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab. Just wanted y'all to sit in that for a moment. Uh, we have none other than episode 460 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC sports for institutions large and small. From the NEIA and the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBC sports culture. HBCU Athletic Aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU Athletic Programs in the business of HBCU Sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Khalil, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, that is out on assignment. My understanding that he's like somewhere between Brazil and the States or something like that. You know, I, I couldn't quite get back for the game, but I made sure he had plenty of pictures to see what <laughs> took place. Made sure that his spot in the suite was really well done. Make sure his wine that he customarily has did not go to waste. Um, so just want to give him a shout out. We have none other than Charles Bishop. 
We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to K-Switch for 30 m Studios with the Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper. Giving him some love and shout outs as we always do. With that being said, Charles, how you doing this morning? Bright well, early, bright and early. It's a great day to be, uh, let's see, a Panther, a Howard Bison, and a Florida a relative. So it's uh, everybody. It's, it's, it's a great, and probably later on today, good, good, good day to be an Eagle as well. So we'll oh, see. It's always great. Oh, it's always <laughs> great day to be. Always great day to be, baby. Hey man, <laughs> hey man, hey man, you hang fifty five up on somebody. And don't think it's gonna be a good. Look, I don't want. I don't want to interlude. I don't want to intrude on, on on my brother Chuck moment because I know he was. You know, he had built that one. That was perfect. It felt like he practiced that in the mirror this morning when we got on the show. He wanted. He had that laid out perfect. It's a good day to be this, that, and the other, and all of these other things. I tell you what it is though. I tell you what it ain't a good day to be. I tell you who it ain't a good day to be right now. I tell you who it most definitely ain't a good day to be today. And it ain't been a good day to be this far for about the last eight, nine weeks. About one weekend out of the whole season. It's only been good to be there one time. The whole season. Oh, we had the end of the season. Although we've come to the end of the road and you can't let go. Hey, I'll tell you who it ain't good to be today. It ain't good to be a Triad Labrador Retriever, a Greensboro Poodle, a East Side Pomeranian, or oh, it ain't a good day to be them Greensboro little puppies. It ain't a good day to be them no way. But it's always a good day when you wake up as an eagle after you put a 40-point spot on Delaware State yesterday. We closed out in OKR yesterday. Chuck, you know I don't mean no harm. I ain't mean to just jump in on your segment, Chuck. You know I love you. You know I love you like cook food, my brother. I just had to get up in there. Because I saw Doc picking up. The, he picked up the cigars, man. I, I felt like he was going to pick it up for me last. And I had to just, like, why you do me like that, dog? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Boy, wait, what a way to open the show. I would ask Josh Sims. Senior, how he's doing, but I think we all know about that. Bless the house. That being exactly <laughs> bright and early, feeling good. Oh, Miss Erica Lee, how are you doing this morning? I'm so happy. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't even contain it. I don't have a voice. It was awesome yesterday, and to cap it off, to beat the Bears again. Again, they haven't won in green since 2008, so it just made it even sweeter. Mm. They said they were a little upset on their fourth down and one call for the first down. They, they, oh, no. for, for who? When we went for it on fourth and one? Yeah, they they got got offside. Offside call. Oh, I mean, that man had been lining up offsides all game. <laughs> the whole game. Well, they called it one time. They yeah, called it I, one time. So now that that missed pass interference, um, that was definitely a missed call. But they had about two missed PIs on against them on us um, that went, you know, missed. So to me, that was even. But that man had been lining up offsides all game long. It was like if it was we were begging the ref, like, come on, don't you see him? Um, so. Yeah. Well, Doc, I, I tell you, Jackson State doesn't want to talk about officiating. We'll stop right there. So. Uh... <laughs> Well, shout out, shout out again, shout out to the Eagles. Here's your cigar officially, Josh Smith. 
Tyson Senior. Shout out to Erica Lee, is your cigar. Shout out to myself, Mike Washington, and those Prairie View Panthers. They got to mm. be on the West, setting up a rematch with the Family Rallies. And shout out to Charles as he announces the game play by play. He gets a little bit of the cigar as well. He's putting it work now. He was doing it over there at the volleyball thing because that's the only way he's going to get a cigar today. <laughs> Texas Southern. Texas Southern. That was ugly. That, that was, was ugly. Three major final thing. And I don't get a cigar for that in that factor. And then obviously Jackson State against their rival, as he alluded to. Some people are concerned maybe about how that was officiated. But as it goes in the books, <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's tough. Man, yeah, when you were talking about the Aggies, they had 10 losses on the season, 28-14. So I thought that was why you were deciding to kind of pick on them and let them know that the world was not all right. <laughs> I was like, wow. Hampton uh, got 51 dropped on them as they were trying to get uh, close out the season. Uh, Eloin defeats them 51-14, so that was ugly. We'll talk a little bit more about Tennessee State. A little disappointing in terms of how they crashed and burned at the end of the season after everything was going on. Um, they lost at home in their last matchup uh, to Tennessee Tech. Uh, so that got pretty ugly in itself in the terms of that matchup as they close the season with three straight losses. Um, and so we'll get into that a little more as well in terms of the final score of that game. But let's get in here before we get in there and talking and everybody's feeling good this morning in terms of those that are joining us. Let's get into the mid-major games of the week, top seven. As you know, it's playoff times. We do have the now uh, Beach Bowl that will be coming up with that allow two additional uh, mid-major programs at the Division II level uh, continue their season. So we'll go through this pretty quick. Not a lot of action here. Uh, number seven, Tuskegee Golden Tigers, their season um, is rapidly coming to a uh, completion. They do have the Turkey Day Classic uh, this Thursday against Alabama State. They are currently 7-3, 6-2. Um, so they were essentially open this weekend. At number six, the Miles Golden Bears season is complete, seven and three, six and two. At number five, Johnson C. Johnson C. Smith Golden Bulls, uh, they were open this weekend as they start their preparation uh, at some point to play in the Beach Bowl, um, as that should be a fun one to check out in terms of what that looks like. Uh, at number four, the Virginia State Trojans. Uh, finished the season at eight and two and six and two. Their season complete. Johnson C. Bulls, for those that forgot, they are sitting at seven and three, six and two. Make sure I get that out of there. And number three, the Fayetteville State Broncos season is complete. Had an outside chance of getting the playoffs, could not get that bid. So they finished at eight and three, eight and oh in the conference race. But remember, they lost the CIAA championship to Virginia Union at six and number two. Virginia Union did get in the playoffs. Had a tough loss yesterday to Coonstown Golden Bears in the first round, 38-14. So they fall after having a great season. Got the 10 victories. They fall to 10-2, and 7-1 overall. And the Benedict Tigers continue to play as they had a first-round bye. Uh, setting up their matchup will be Lenore Ryan. They sit at 11-0, 8-0 uh, after Lenore Ryan won their first-round game. So we'll see what that looks like. Next Saturday, we'll talk a little bit more of that maybe near the end of the show, giving you some updates of what that looks like. As we get into it, let me give you the major division football poll ranks. 
We had a little bit of update for some, talking about what that looks like. Let me give you the official top seven rankings. Be interesting to see how things change because we had two teams in the top seven that took L's this past weekend. Um, the rest of them, one including number seven, the Prairie View and Panthers defeated the number three Alabama State Hornets twenty-one to fourteen. Prairie View improved to six and five. More importantly, six and two, which the win a tie with Alcorn State, the Braves, but because of the head-to-head matchup when they won on a 50-yard last-second field goal, they clinched the division title, and they will be heading to Tallahassee to play for a SWAC championship to see if, if they can get the other half of the bid to head to Atlanta. Hey, Doc, hey, Doc is, that, is, that, is that twice in twice in three years or twice in four years, previews in the SWAC championship? Twice in three years. Twice in three years. And missed out last year uh, with yeah. the loss of their own accord to Mississippi Valley. So they were right there uh, yeah. three years in a row letting folks know the talent that's at Prairie View. Many of y'all talk about it. And I'm not sure some really recognize how much talent it is. And not to say that they couldn't have lost that game, but I was um, intrigued about the number of folks that didn't seem to give them uh, a true chance at home to beat Alabama State. Uh, but they did it. It was on them. They got it done. They actually led 21 nothing uh, before credit to the Hornets to push back and made it a little closer than some people probably thought in terms of pushing 21-14. But uh, Panthers had pretty much control of that game. Bring us to number six. The Howard Bison defeated the Morgan State Bears 14-7. They are heading to the Celebration Bowl. They finished the season 6-5, and 4-1 and one in terms of that matchup. Uh, so they punched their tickets, as you see Erica is continuing to celebrate. And number five, the Alcorn State Braves defeated number four, Jackson State Tigers, 28-24. Really good matchup. They jumped out on the Tigers 14-0. Uh, and then Jackson State came back and tied it at 14 and essentially went back and forth uh, with uh, the Braves scoring the last touchdown to take a 28-21 lead. Jackson State was able to get in the scoring position. They were forced to take a field goal, 28-24, and that was the final score uh, in that matchup. So Alcorn, the Braves, improved to 7-4, and 6-2, and two, and told you what that meant for the scenario in the Western Division. And number four, Jackson State Tigers lost to number five, Alcorn State Braves, 28-24. So they fall to 7-4 and 5-3, and, and, and any hopes that are outside bid of the playoffs are probably gone for sure now. Uh, but a classic matchup between two vintage programs. At number three, Alabama State Hornets lost uh, to number seven, Prairie View Panthers, as I said, 21 to 14. They fall to six and four, five and three. But remember, they still have another game, a short week, as they face uh, Tuskegee of uh, the mid major division on Thanksgiving this Thursday. So it'll be fascinating to keep an eye on them. At number two, North Carolina Central Eagles defeated. The Delaware State Hornets, as Joshua talked about, really put it on them 55 to 14. If there were any questions in terms of uh, playoff pitches, I think that is squarely gone as they got that done. We'll be awaiting to see what that means, will they bid and get a chance to host the game. But we certainly will keep up with them as their season uh, is not complete. 92 4 1, they finished the race, creating a tie with Howard. Uh, but uh, Howard beat them last weekend, so that's where you get the clinching 
bid. And this year, there's no co-champions. So fascinating to see how they talk about it. I have my personal thing. I know Joshua and Erica like the idea. I personally don't like it. I think you should do what everybody else does. But it's just, the Florida Alien Rallies defeat the Bethune Cookman Wildcats 24-7. They improved to 10-1, 8-0 for all 12 first-place votes. Solid matchup. Just methodically really took apart Bethune Cookman Wildcats. Uh, and you talking about that's like you know how you slice and cut somebody up slow bleed they just let it melt away <laughs> as they mm. took apart the Wildcats mm. masterfully in that matchup. Uh, as I said, the Tennessee State loss was uh, tough as they closed out the season. They lose to Tennessee Tech thirty-five to zero. Just to give nice. you an update, as they're outside the top twenty-five, you talking about really. Um, Closing out on a season difficult. We'll see what that looks like as they continue moving. With that, let's take our first break. We'll come back on the other side. And we'll let these individuals talk about some of these matchups as we're going. Should be some excitement to talk about that. We have folks fighting for championships the next couple of weeks. So it's a good one. Some of them are crowned. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. We'll, we shall see. Dr. Mills, inside the HBC Sports Lab, we'll be right back after this break. As technology continues to bring changes to the world of education, it's time we also reimagine teacher professional development. Gone are the days of one-size-fits-all learning that can only be accessed at a specific time and place. The Stride PD Center is an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that allow educators to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. The best professional development plans are those that include a level of flexibility and choice for educators. Whether you're a teacher, school, or district, visit us today to take charge of your learning. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell leadership principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvée. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. You see, head and shoulder. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love that. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington. 
as he's out flying around uh, Brazil and just traveling the world and having fun, he's out on assignment. But we have Charles Bishop, Joshua Sims Sr., B.J. Jones, and Eric Lee of X's and O's uh, as we had them debut on our show last week as they putting it together to give us some insights. Uh, with that being said, we're going to jump right into it with the HBCU CIAA mid-major game of the week. It happened to be a playoff game, Cooperstown, Pennsylvania, and Andre Reed Stadium. Yeah, that name is familiar for a lot of folks who follow Buffalo Bills. That is that Andre Reed. Uh, NCAA Division II playoffs, uh, first round in that matchup. The number two HBCU program of the mid-major level, Virginia Union Panthers, uh, fall to 10-2 and 7-1 and and as they lost to the PSAC, Cooperstown Bears, 10-2, and 7-0, 38-14. Joshua, what were your thoughts in terms of that game? Yeah, man, it was it was a rough one, man. So before I even get into kind of the breakdown, uh, you know, salute to Virginia Union, man, on, on a heck of a season, man. That run they went on after that Fayetteville State loss earlier in the season was incredible. Jada Byers coming back was incredible for them going on up to Salem, Virginia, and winning the CIAA championship was a big time thing. But uh, in cut with Cutstown, man, it, it was rough from the beginning. All right, it was it was rough from the beginning. They jumped out early. Uh, score first, and then just continue to keep scoring. I mean, I think at the end of the first quarter, it was 21 to nothing at the end of the first. Uh, it was rough, man. Jada Byers didn't really get going uh, until really the second half. But by that time, man, it was like 35 to 14 by the time we finally got Jada Byers into the box. I was I was interested at one point, though. We talked about this a couple weeks ago here on Inside HBC Sports Lab about the evolution of the Virginia Union passing game. And them being able to create somewhat of a balance now. When we talked about this, when they played against Virginia State, talked about it the week prior to that, about how they were starting to be look, be a little bit more balanced and was passing the ball a little bit while complimenting the run that they already had with Jada Byers. Just didn't see them get that going yesterday, man. I watched the game and it just, they couldn't get ahead of the chains. It seemed like they just couldn't get going the way that we were used to seeing them going the weeks prior. And unfortunately, right. you saw some inconsistency at the quarterback position yesterday from them that kind of caused them to be a little bit stagnant. Uh, and Custown just didn't stop. They just didn't slow down. They didn't stop. Um, kudos to that defense they had yesterday. Man, Custown defense was honestly, surprisingly, very, very – they played kind of lights out yesterday, at least for three quarters. Um, so, man, it's, it's my tip – tip my hat to Virginia Union, man, for – at least fighting as the game went along, man. Second half of the game, they tried to fight to kind of get back into the game, but in just a rough situation, man. They could not get going on the offensive side of the ball yesterday, and I was very surprised that they couldn't get going. Quick, quick, quick question, Josh. I wanted to ask this quick question, especially when you know teams are loading the box uh, for Jada Byers. Uh, how difficult is it to, to sort of, the, I guess, on the fly develop that, that passing game, especially when you know you're going to get some one-on-one opportunities on the outside? Yeah, man, one one dimension that being one dimensional is almost like is, is really your kryptonite as offensive coordinator, as offensive play caller. That's your kryptonite. Um, you generally go into a game with an expectation on a on a coach's play call sheet. I'm I'm gonna pull one of my old play call sheets from um from a few years ago on the show at one point. But uh, generally, in your play call sheet, you have it broken up where you know what your first your first you have your your scripted plays, your first twenty plays that you expect that you're gonna run your first couple series. After you go through your scripted plays, you got your situational that sit inside of the middle of your play call sheet. And then you got your your racehorse like trying to go up tempo, last two minutes situation. 
all of those generally you have about it. You can have anywhere from a 55-45 to a 60-40 split pass run. When you're pushed to one dimensional, that whole play call sheet is going out the window. You cannot, re- you can't even rely on them, in, rely on it anymore. First down, when you going, when you go first down and you got a three yard, uh, you know, tackle for loss on first down when you're running the ball, even with a Jada bite. Then you come back second down, you kind of in a situation where you like, dang, I don't really want to go middle of the field kind of pass right now. I can't run anything that would be short and immediate because we might drop the ball or not get a, a gain in the first place. And now you're in third down where you got to go screen. Generally, screen on third down is not really on your script. I've never put I never put screens in my first twenty plays, like you know what I'm saying. But now I got to go middle screen, I got to go left right screen, I got to go delay or something like that. And it's third and 13, 13. It just completely castrates your play calling sheet. And for me, I, I did not like being in those situations. But you gotta you gotta adjust. So on the back side of my play call sheet was what I called the adjustment side, right? situational analysis, things ain't going right. And literally at the top of the page, I used to write, things just ain't going right. And so I had 10 <laughs> plays in three different slots that just was like, it ain't going right. We in third and long. We in second and long. We in, you know, first we had a penalty on first down for false start or delay a game. Like, what do I call in those situations? But you generally don't want to have to turn on that backside of that play call sheet and make play, call plays from that side. So just a little bit into my offensive mind, but, I mean, that was a heck of a question, Chuck. I, you, you generally don't want to be in that situation, and, and Virginia Union was in that situation early and often yesterday against Custom, and, and you could tell that Coach had to go into his bag in a couple plays uh, in that second half for sure. B.J. Jones, I wanted to ask you from a defense perspective, what is your thoughts in terms of how you move in that same situation from a defensive perspective? Um, from a defensive uh, perspective, it's a snowball going down the hill, to be honest with you. Um, you kind of know when that offensive coordinator is frustrated. And my number one MO is we stop the run. Once Because usually the run, everything branches off of that. It's like a tree. That's the base. But once I stop the run, there's no branching off of that. Uh, and I kind of know uh, when that offensive coordinator is frustrated. When I look over on the other sideline, I see this. Um <laughs> At that point, I'm automatically um, knowing to myself, hey, this is going to be an opportunity that we're going to show some man and go zone, and now we're going to zone blitz. Because now he sees that they're going man-to-man, they locked up. I'm going to go this, and I know that there's another side of that play sheet. That play sheet. Yeah, we're going to show man, and now we're going to zone blitz. We're going to frustrate you a little bit more. Um, and like I said, it's a snowball going down the, uh, down the hill. I will say this, watching that ball game yesterday, there's a place that produces a lot of great football players that Custown was able to get into, and that place is called Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. The two defensive tackles that they had in that ball game, both from Aliquippa, uh, look up Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. They produce a lot of good football players, hard-nosed, tough. Uh, it, it's, it's a steel town, and those guys right there in the middle made it hectic for Virginia <laughs> Union early and often yesterday. Mm-hmm. Check out that analysis. The only place you can get that right here is inside the HBCU Sports Lab, uh, particularly with the X's and O's crew uh, with Erica leading the way. She's usually the one asking those questions, breaking it down. I stole a little bit of thunder, but we're going to bring her back into this. But before we do that, let's get into, get ahead of it a little bit. Benedict uh, will face Lenore Ryans now after 
Uh, they were by Lenore Ryan's, the Bears defeated Shepard Rams. That was a sack versus PSAC matchup, and they dominated. I mean, you're talking about a team that's going to feel good coming up playing the bit, Benedict. They won that game 6-3 to 17. Uh, gentlemen, any thoughts in terms of that, Josh or Sims or Charles? Yeah, I'll start. I'll start from an offensive standpoint uh, with, with this game yesterday. Sixty-three, seventeen is is by is no way, shape, or form. Honestly, and this this is gonna sound crazy. I'm gonna be honest. That's not even indicative of what they really could have scored yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lenore Ryan was clicking, and and if I can send Chennisberry and that coaching staff down at Benedict any notes, um, I'm, I'm wide open to 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 jumping on a phone call and telling them what I saw on the film. You know, I do that free of charge. I don't have no problem with that. I'm going to tell you right now, offensively, for them, it starts in the trenches. That offensive line is a big and all athletic offensive line, man. I saw them push Shepard, and I watched the whole first half of that game because after halftime, it really was over anyway. But <laughs> I watched the first half of that game yesterday, and I saw consistently play after play after play Dog, they was pushing that Shepard defensive line back with ease, dog. Pulling guards coming. I saw Buck Sweep they ran yesterday. I saw Power ran yesterday. Inside Power, yes. I'm like, dog, this don't – I mean, they running all inside the B gaps, the A gaps. And then when they feel like you trying to sell out on trying to stop the run. Yeah. Bombs over Baghdad. Benedict has the defense, though. Listen, okay. on your side, and I don't make this up. I'm not making this up. Benedict got the defense that can stop this, though. Them linebackers, that front seven they got down at Benedict, down at Columbia, South Carolina. Man, I promise you, I know without a shadow of a doubt that they planning on pinning their ears back and letting them dogs loose because they literally have the ability to dominate that, that offensive front. But I was impressed. I, I promise you, I was impressed my first time watching Lenore Ryan this year. I was impressed, man. To see offensive line that big, that athletic, moving around, pushing that defensive line back like that, given Shepard is an undersized defensive line, they don't have a lot of depth. They did not have a lot of depth. So I, I do want to provide some context there that Shepard did, did – their defensive line was not that good. I mean, but given – you're killing that with a hat. You're killing that with a sledgehammer. You're killing that there, with a hat. So I saw this. Is, is there a comparable, mean, aggressive, nasty offensive line in the SIC? Miles, yeah, Miles. Miles, okay. Miles would be a comparable offensive line. Nasty, mean, big, can get around. The only thing about the only thing about Miles that may be a little bit different than what I saw from Lenore Ryan is they'll put an H back in a spot to provide some support to the offensive line. They'll put a tight end in a spot. I didn't see that a lot from Miles this year. Doesn't mean that they didn't do it. I just didn't see it a lot from Miles this year. But then again, I didn't see tight end H back a whole lot being utilized across HBC football in general. I mean, there's some programs that do it and they do mm -hmm. it well, but just mm -hmm. not a whole lot. I mean, Jackson State has clearly shown that they like to use tight ends. Southern has shown that they like to use H-backs. You know what I mean? Morgan State has shown that they like to use H-backs. Like, you just don't see it a lot across HBC football. But mm -hmm. I did see in particular for this Lenore Ryan team, they'll put a tight end in. They'll go 11 personnel. They'll go 12 personnel. Um, you know, they'll go 21 personnel. I mean, it's – you know, honestly, I saw that a lot from them yesterday. Won't be I won't be surprised if they don't try that with Benedict, though, because they got some athletic guys in that front seven that really could cause for some matchup problems for Lenore Ryan. 
And sometimes, you know, office coordinators, we get to call and plays with our ego. And, and, and Benedict is not the team for you to be trying to call plays with your ego. So mm. I, 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 don't, I don't know if they're going to try some of the stuff I saw them try yesterday against Shepard. But I was impressed by that offensive line. I will say that. Charles, let's get into it as we float over here to a major division game. Uh, classic game of the week, which was Orlando, Florida. Camping World Stadium, Florida Classic. Uh, the number seven ranked uh, FCS program, Florida a and Rallies, ranked number one in HBC rankings, 10-1, and 8-0, defeat the number uh, 15th, as I have them in the strength, Bethune-Cookman Wildcats. Uh, so the Wildcats dropped to 3-8, and 2-6, and 24-7. Charles, what were your thoughts in terms of this matchup? Uh, workmanlike performance from Florida AM. and I mean, I, I guess I was uh, best with AD in regards to, you know, what is it that you saw that kept you scared with regards to Bethune-Cookman? Uh, but uh, I think that was the thing that I just caught me, uh, you know, classic game, obviously a rivalry game, but uh, 24-7, uh, Bethune-Cookman and, and, and Florida a and uh, if, if you go to the, uh, uh, unfortunately, there were some sites out there that had to score backwards, so it had some people confused uh, in that game. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, like I said, working life performance, Jeremy Moose of 14, 21, 150 yards uh, on the ground is where they kind of got things done a little bit more, 175 yards on the ground. And that was one of the things uh, that I've said with regards to, to Florida a and that's made them uh, more dominant. Uh, it seems as though their running game picked up in the second half of the season, carried it over into this Florida Classic. Uh, no, no great, you know, mystery with regards to this game. Uh, everybody had Florida a and picked, and they are definitely looking apart going into the SWAT championship game. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, yeah, I was in the, the suite watching that game, Prairie View game, also had the Jackson State game out. Shout out to my neighbor, Dr. Uh, the Dennis. Uh, my neighbor there, uh, as I put the flag out in the front yard, shot a picture of it, cigars and all that kind of stuff. Eric, I sent in pictures and I haven't had any response. Yesterday, you know, I was calmly packing my truck, getting my son ready so we could take our voyage down to Prairie View. And he's out there coming all across the street and saying, man, you know, I'm a big Hornets fan today. <laughs> you know, I, I got you understand. No, I heard nothing. A silence. So he said, oh, you're going to be watching the show and ready. I just want to shout out my neighbor. It's raining out there, so he can't even get out in the front yard and do what he needs to get his calm, his nerves and manicure. But, yeah, that 50-yard field goal, you know, back in September, has gone a long way uh, now <laughs> that it's in November. Thankfully, thankfully, thankfully. With that being said, Let's get into this next matchup. I'll ask B.J. Jones to give us a little insight on this. This has to be crushing to the Tennessee State fans, the faithful, um, and the players in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, they had no chance of fighting for the playoffs or um, finishing uh, with the championship in the OVC after their last two losses. But they were still having a really solid season. They had got up to six wins. This was a chance to close out on a strong note. And not just you lose a game. Those things happen. You know, sometimes the team just gets you or they're better than you. Uh, but the number eight Tennessee State Tigers, they fall to six and five, two and four in the Big South OVC partnership to Tennessee Tech, the Golden Eagles, who improved to four and seven and just two and four themselves. But check out the score, BJ, as you know, 35 to zero. 
shut out, um, couldn't get him going, and they put up a lot of points. Just as you shake your head, what were your concerns or thoughts on this uh, game? It felt like watching that ball game that Tennessee State gave up yesterday. Mm. Um, you can see when players quit. And Tennessee Tech um, is not as good as what they showed yesterday. Uh, that was yeah. some giving up. And uh, I was afraid that that may happen to Tennessee State. We've seen these things, Doc, in the past with Tennessee State. Remember 2016 when they almost beat Vanderbilt and they were rolling high and they were ranked top 20 in FCS, and then they don't win a game after that. Uh, nice. We we saw that under Ed, uh, up under um, their last coach, Coach Reed, where they will have an outstanding September and particularly October, but we get into November, they, they falter. And unfortunately, we saw it again. And the thing about with, with Tennessee State, yesterday, nothing went right yesterday. Couldn't run the football. Couldn't throw the football. Couldn't tackle. Couldn't stop the pass. It was a... Uh, perfect uh, disaster. And a young man that I coached back in the day, Justin Pegues, a running back at Tennessee Tech, had a day. <laughs> he had a day against Tennessee State. And Andy George summed it up perfectly. He said, I don't I don't even recognize the squad that we put on the field yesterday. And I'm going to be honest with you, Doc. Mm. I watched Tennessee State a couple of times. Um, right. they, it's just like they just quit. Like they were mentally just checked out. I wonder how that happens and how you deal with that from a coaching perspective. It certainly has to be frustrating and hard to do that as you work through it. Go ahead, Josh. You want to comment and maybe how that happens? Just highlight this thing. Tennessee Tech goes 2-0 and versus HBCUs this year yep. in a combined record. In a combined record of 63-7. to Yeah. Score. Combined score. The combined score. 63-7. My apologies. <clears throat> yeah, I'm yeah, tired. I was trying to stay away from that. I saw that and uh, was like, yeah, that wasn't nice. It wasn't nice. Well, we're going to take our last break in this segment. We'll come back on the other side. We're going to talk a little bit about Morgan State and Howard. We're going to get into that Alabama State Prairie View matchup off on Jackson State. And for the Prairie View fans out there, I need to do a special shout-out to Gabe Lewis, his son, and his colleagues. we got to feed a couple of them. Uh, this past weekend as they came over to the tailgate celebrating and ready uh, with their opportunity in two weeks. But, um, yeah, that offensive line got it done. Uh, they were getting the push, which I don't think many people thought they would be able to do it as effective as they did against Alabama State, particularly where they ran the ball uh, tremendously pretty effectively throughout that game. They got a couple of breaks early in terms of the turnover to set them up. But outside of that, they held their own. Um, so shout out to the offensive linemen from Prairie View and m including Gabe Lewis, his son, uh, in terms of what they get done. And those seniors, uh, as they finish out their regular season the right way, if you would, in terms of having a victory. Stick with us. We'll be right back as we get into it. We'll get into North Carolina Central Eagles against Delaware State in this last segment. So uh, we'll tell you what to be. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. We got some dialogue coming up uh, with the champions. Head and Shoulders has scalp shield technology, protects against flakes even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. We're never not working. Number 15? That's my rub. Ooh, nice. Never not working. Never, ever, never, ever not working. Welcome everybody to Juneau, Alaska. I don't like this one. 
Me neither. Let's get out of here. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. And who's about? So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> this talking real inside the HBC Sports Lab. Yeah, those breaks, man. I tell you, they get into it. Sometimes you just can't hold it coming back into it. But that just gives you some insight of what we did. As we promised, we told you we're going to get into some MEAC swag talk. We have bonus action for you here. Now we're going to start with the, the MEAC Major Division Game of the Week, which featured Howard as they were at home hosting Morgan State, Washington, D.C. Green Stadium. It was a classic matchup in terms of score. Uh, obviously, Howard jumped out 14-0. You got a score by Morgan State Bears. <laughs> in terms of them making it real interesting. Crucial fourth and one uh, play call. Howard gets it done. And next thing they know, time runs out. And they are raising the MEAC championship trophy and the official ticket by John Grant in terms of the celebration bowlers. They clinch it. That's the number six bison that improved the six and five, four and one. Uh, wonderful season. They placed Morgan State Bears, who fall to four and six, three and two, 14 and seven. As I said, in terms of my index, Morgan State was ranked 12 in terms of the strength of my major division poll rankings. With that being said, uh, the index there, Erica, what were your thoughts on this matchup? How were you uh, able to watch this game throughout and analyze it as well? I mean, a lot of the third quarter, I'm not going to lie, I had my um, 
head in my knees. Like <laughs> I was so nervous. Um, you couldn't tell me that we held we time of possession. We had it for 40 minutes of that game. I mean, you couldn't have told me that we had the offense had the ball for 40 minutes because the way Morgan's defense was playing, I mean, there were several plays where we had, we hit our, our um, wide outs and our tight ends and any other defense we would have, we would have played against, we would have busted that open for a touchdown. And mm. Oregon State's defense was able to grab onto anything and tackle them. And I mean, it was really lights out. Um, I did like that our running backs, I mean, this is the toughest defense I think we faced all season. And that's, you know, saying a lot, I mean, because the way Harvard played a couple games ago. Um, but to see our running backs get just the small chunks of yardage just to keep us in those third and short situations. We did not have a lot of third and long situations. So mm-hmm. I to just continue to get positive yardage, two, three, four, five yard chunks at a time. And that kept the pressure off of Q Will, not, not having to force too much. Um, you're not having, we didn't have third and eights and third and nines and third and fifteens a lot. So you didn't have to do too much to get first downs. And we look at the first down comparisons. We had 25 first downs to Morgan State's nine. And so um, we really were working in positive yardage for most of the game, but it just felt like it wasn't for sure until the clock struck zero. Like once we went for fourth and one, when in my opinion and the crowd's opinion, we probably should have taken the points and scored that field goal. And we turned it down on downs um, in the red zone. Mm. And Morgan State marched 87 yards down the field to to bring it to 14 to seven. We were nervous um, because that's well, one that was the most offensive production I think they had all game. But two, like that momentum had started to swing a little bit, and we just wanted to see if um, if Howard could stand up. And Howard came back in that next possession. I think Casey Hawthorne or Jarrett Hunter, one of the two, um, ran for a big time big time yardage on first down. And so then I was like, okay. Maybe we're steady. And um, once we couldn't get any more points, I think at the in the fourth quarter, at a certain point, I said, well, if nobody scores anything else, we'll win. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I like that. Uh, credit to your defense as well. Uh, they held Morgan State. And I know we have questions in terms of what they're doing offensively, but the fact that Morgan's, I mean, um, could not really get going. They were just 1-11 on third downs, as you talked about the efficiency for uh, Howard, they were five and fifteen, but a lot of that uh, was they were getting first downs. When you talk about the twenty-five, so they didn't even have that many third down uh, opportunities to have. And on fourth downs, they were one and two. One of them was uh, crucial um, that you could tell the momentum that you talked about. I really appreciate that. And the second one, they um, are able to get so one and two, big matchup. Uh, they got it done. Credit to uh, the Bison. With that being said. I th- I'm sorry, David. Ahead, you know, I think there's been a lot of critique about our defense. Um, we've had some games where we've been slicing dice. Um, South Carolina State, to be specific. Um, <laughs> but I say all the time. I, I don't want to. I don't want to bring it up, but the Hampton game was not. Well, um, that raises my blood pressure still. <laughs> um, but <Sorry>. you know. <laughs> To see them stand up like they did and to raise up to the challenge, we knew that Morgan State's defense was going to be the best one we saw. And they they decided they weren't going to go out without, you know, putting some respect on their name too. And um, it was really nice to see. I mean, that was, even though Morgan only had the ball for 20 minutes, I just felt like our defense was always on the field. 
and they were just working and working and working. And they were able to stand up and keep keep the offense in it, honestly. And we're not used to our offense not having it that much production. Howard has a high scoring offense. And so to see us only get 14 points in this game was that's that's probably one of the that's probably I think the lowest scoring game we've had. I think that was maybe hard outside of Harvard. Yeah. What what led to what led to the turnaround, especially with regards to the defense, sir? Oh, they had a come to Jesus moment after the South Carolina State game. I think mm. they went to that locker room and said, What do y'all want this to be? You know, are we are we folding here or are we gonna mm. keep forging it? I think when they get I mean, it was only a three-point loss. And honestly, because we're such a second half team, I didn't think at that South Carolina State when we got the ball back in the fourth quarter, like I didn't think we were gonna lose because in those in those scenarios, we really hadn't been. And so um, they went to the locker room and I think they had a real come to Jesus and they all looked at each other and held each other accountable. And then they, you know, strung off the next two wins and here we are. Sure. Yeah. And they actually, you know, pushed back and made a comeback. It just wasn't enough in that matchup with getting behind so early. Let's flip it. Let's go to the SWAC for the SWAC game of the week. We're going to go to BJ Jones and talk about uh, Prairie View, Texas, the Panther Stadium. Alabama takes takes the long trip. They fly over uh, to get into Houston uh, and drive over to Prairie View. That's the number seven ranked Prairie View and Panthers that improved to six and five, six and two, and defeat the number three Alabama State Hornets six to four, five and three, twenty one to fourteen. Uh, as I said, Prairie View jumped out twenty one nothing, really stifling uh, Alabama State offensively and doing enough to put off the games. Before you get into it, BJ, I was um, really excited about the coaches that they didn't seem to try to do too much. They took what was there. Uh, they decided to use the run game and wear down to some degree the Alabama State defense of being on the field so long. And it seemed to work. They were effective about uh, that offensive line, pick up some yards and get it done. But I want to see your side of it and your thoughts in terms of breaking that game down. Man, if I told you the Alabama State without game Prairie View, most people would be like, oh, wow, that means Alabama State won that game. Uh, because Alabama State has been out game in four ball games this year and still won. Mm-hmm. This one was the opposite. <laughs> Alabama State was able to move the football up and down the field all the way until they got into the red zone. Yep. And uh, my dad said, man, here we go. He said, man, if we can't punch this thing in, Prairie View's going to find a way. And Prairie View found a way. Uh, people said that Prairie View couldn't run the ball uh, against Alabama State. Hmm? No, they ran the ball against Alabama State on yesterday. Uh, Trace on Connolly, when, when it was time for him to hit the big play, I felt like he almost hit everyone. Yeah. Um, especially man, that touchdown man that put him up twenty-one seven would look like the momentum had swung uh back to Alabama State. Man, that one was the dagger. I mean, Prairie View found ways to make it happen. And I don't think Alabama State could not run the ball yesterday. We talked about that the tree uh and, and the base is running the football. Alabama State, I think, averaged one point six yards per carry yesterday. I know it wouldn't I know it wouldn't even two. They stifled them uh, for running the football and made them have, have to throw. Uh, just outstanding job by Prairie View on yesterday, getting it done. And this Panthers senior class going to their second SWAC championship game, um, you know, two two SWAC championship games in the last three years, 
That's mm-hmm. impressive. And I don't think a lot of people um, are giving Prairie View credit as a program uh, to what the program is and where they are right now. As you're, you talk about the rushing, it was 24 for 16 by, for 0.7 to Ooh. your point. Yeah. Charles, I know you wanted to follow up with a question. It's a veteran. It's a veteran, uh, nasty offensive line that has gotten healthier, uh, especially after that bye week. And I think yesterday, you, you quite possibly saw the template for what uh, what they uh, the family game uh, because uh, especially with regards to those uh, guards for Prairie View, they're nasty warthogs. They've gotten healthier. And now you have this Ahmad Antoine coming back in the mix. He's healthier. Didn't do a lot yesterday, but his, I keep saying this, and I've said this week after week, and it's his veteran leadership. It's his presence uh, being in pads for this team. It makes a big difference. Yesterday you saw Caleb Johnson got off. I, I, I think, you know, before we pencil FAMU into the Celebration Bowl, it's not going to be the same game that you saw in October with regards to FAMU and Prairie View. Great points. Keyshawn Johnson, as we talk about him receiving, they held him out of the end zone, which is always crucial. He did uh, have nine receptions for 92 yards. Tyree Sanders had the big one, played six of 120 uh, for two touchdowns, ended up being moved. But as you talked about the transfer, Caleb Johnson, when he needed to shine and show up, he showed up big, 14 carries for 77 yards, 5.5 a carry. Jamarius uh, uh, Brooks, 7 of 43, 6.1. For a total of 170 yards, would be BJ Jones alluded to in terms of that matchup. So, Prairie gets it done, and we shall see. We'll get a chance to talk a little bit over the next two weeks of what that looks like in terms of that matchup. And honest, obviously, in two weeks, uh, a big matchup. But before we go there, let's stick with you, Charles, and get into this uh, All Point State Brave Jackson State matchup, Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. Boy, this was a big one. Top five matchup. Four versus five. Alcorn State Braves come in at number five. Had a tough road loss to uh, Texas Southern University last weekend, but certainly did they bounce back short week. And they were ready. Seven and four uh, is what they improved to, the six and two. They defeat number four Jackson State Tigers that fall to seven, four, five, and three. Um the Braves jump out 14-0. Credit to Jackson State as they come back and tie it. With that being said, Charles, what were your thoughts in terms of this matchup? Yeah, uh, credit for, for everyone there. Uh, getting this team uh, back up after that face plan against Texas Southern. Uh, big win against Jackson State in front of 42,000 uh, fans there with Soul Bowl there in Jackson. Uh, but uh, this game, it's crazy to take a look at the stats. Jackson State won uh, everywhere but the scoreboard. Uh, but I, I think Jackson State did what they needed to do in terms of shutting down Alcorn's running game, but it was a play of Aaron Allen. Uh, had a big game, and I thought that was, you know, what played – I thought that was going to play into the hands of Jackson State, the, the more attempts that he had throwing the football because Jackson State has one of the best secondaries in the nation. Uh, but as it turned out, uh, they got some big plays, 16 to 24, 225 yards for Aaron Allen, and uh, they were able to go up top quite a bit on Jackson State and get some huge plays. Uh, but this game, the, the, the stat that you're going to circle, is, is 15 penalties for Jackson State, 125 yards, including three mm. on three big holding calls on the last drive. Uh, uh, Jackson mm. State moving the ball, but those penalties really killed them uh, going down the stretch. So, uh, but again, you take your hat off to the All Corn team that, that came back strong after that tough loss against uh, Texas Southern, and they got it done. They got it done. So it's always a bitter taste, of Jackson State fans. Last game of the year, walking out of debt with a loss, but 
I, I think to, the totality of, of Jackson State season, uh, T.C. Taylor did a fine job this past season. Good stuff. You talked about your concerns with Seven, Seven McGee. When he be able to get going, he was only had three carries from one yard, so you could tell that he wasn't feeling himself in terms of what that looks like. But uh, credit to Jackson State defense in terms of slowing the run. The uh, Alcorn State Braves were just 26 of 71 total yards, got in the end zone once. But this is a different Braves team. They can throw the ball. They put up they can throw the ball. receiving yards, uh, passing yards, if you would. Uh, three touchdowns. Allen did have the interception, but man, that was fascinating to see that matchup as you pointed out some of the details there. With that being said, we're going to go to Joshua Sims Sr. as the Eagles go out on style at home. Uh, the number 14th ranked uh, FCS program, number two in the HBC rankings, I have them. Uh, they improved to 10 and 1. They get to 10 big victories on the season, 4 and 1 in the conference race. Uh, they defeat uh, Delaware State Hornets that are 1 and 10, 0 and 5, 55 to 14. I have Delaware State in my overall uh, strength ranking for the 21 HBC programs at 19. I'm sure that'll change a little bit this weekend. Interesting because I had Pine Bluff at the bottom, 21, and I'm sure they'll raise up, which probably pushes Delaware State and North Carolina AT down 20 and 22, 20 and 21, I should say in terms of how they finish the season. <laughs> I'm just saying, I wasn't trying to go there, Chuck. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't know you, <laughs> I didn't know you would like it that much. But old Kelly Rich Stadium, Carolina, Joshua, go ahead and take it away. Do your Man, thing. Doc, if you don't put them Greensboro poodles, them East Greensboro Labrador retrievers at 21, say we can go on to be done with this. All right. No, nah, but I was just saying. Hey, listen, man, it was, it, was a, it was a beautiful day yesterday in OKR, man. Um, senior day. Uh, senior day, um, um, sending off what I believe to be the, the winningest group of seniors this institution has been playing football since the 1920s has ever had. Um, uh, this is a group that's won a national championship, won a conference championship. Um, you know, two players yesterday broke school records that I didn't think would ever be broken. Uh, Adrian Olivo uh, breaks the school record previously held by Brandon Gilbert for the total points, for extra points. And, uh, and field goals made. Didn't think that was ever going to be broken, man. Brandon Gilbert, who was on that on, on them North Carolina Central teams, and when we went on those Division two runs uh, under Coach Broadway, I, I thought he had set the record so high, and we all kind of looked around like, "Dog, ain't no way in the world." And he literally did it yesterday. Uh, Coach Oliver did it, did it for him, and, and really walk off style, man. Uh, you know, called a timeout on the third down. We were already up like fifty two to fourteen or something like that. Caught a timeout on the third down, man. Let him go out there and kick the field goal, man, on third down to get the record. So uh, salute to him. And then, and then it goes without saying that, Chuck, we talked about this a couple of times throughout the season uh, about what this young man who broke, enough, broke a couple of school records yesterday, what he means to this program. Uh, mm-hmm. Davius Richard goes out yesterday and breaks the school record, uh, had already broken the school record for uh, total rushing touchdowns, for total, uh, total rushing yards. Uh, for, and then he goes out yesterday and – uh, breaks the school record for total offensive production. So for total yards as an offensive group, beats, uh, breaks uh, Earl Harvey's record yesterday for total offensive production, as well as for uh, total offensive yards uh, yesterday in North Carolina Central School history as well. So uh, what that young man meant yesterday to us, man, and the rest of this, this group, this group was the first recruiting class under Coach Oliver when he got there in 2019. Mm. Uh, and so for anybody, you know, you guys know, man, that first group that you have that you graduate is always special. 
Uh, and so this group was incredibly special. And then they went out yesterday and seemingly uh, wanted to to tell the nation that, um, you know, don't don't get us twisted, man. All right. You know, things happen. This is college football. Things happen. Every Saturday you got to come with your hat, your hard hat, and you got to play ball. But uh, don't, right, don't get too far ahead of yourself now. We, we are who we say we are. And so we had to yesterday and put it on Delaware State the way we know we're supposed to, the way we know we should. And it is what it is. Um, so we'll wait. We got about two hours to see what we're going to be playing that this Saturday uh, coming. 80, 85% of college football teams. I was up last night to almost midnight. And this time of the year, with the exception of uh, the Bayou Classic, the uh, Turkey Day Classic, preparation for the, for the SWAC championship game, and for the Celebration Bowl, um, and then you include all of the teams that play FCS football, over 80% of all of college football teams right now are sitting at home really doing nothing right now. Yeah. Mm. To, to find ourselves in a position uh, for the second year in a row to still be able to get up this morning, go to, go to, uh, to the football facility, go through preparation, you know, to have our coaches still inside the office, literally going into uh, into game prep, uh, having their coaches meet, their position meetings, the side of the ball meetings this morning. Uh, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, it, it's a good thing. I still consider the FCS, and I've said this, and for those of y'all who don't think that Joshua Simpson is going to change his perspective, the FCS playoffs is the consolation prize. Yeah. I'm, about, I'm about business, dog. I'm about business. And this is the business of sports. And we have an opportunity with the Celebration Bowl. Shout out to Howard, man. Salute to Howard for those who think that I'm not going to salute these guys for what they've been able to do and what Coach Scott has been able to do in the seasons he's been there, man. You, Man, you are a fool if you're not willing to tip your hat off to that program, man. Mm -hmm. um, I love and respect this game too much, and I'm willing to take a little bit of my time to talk about 1801 Fayetteville Street to commend Howard Bison for getting there and punching their tickets to the Celebration Bowl. Go down to Atlanta. Best of luck to you guys. And you guys are going to see how difficult it is to win this game. It is a difficult game, man, to, to win this thing in front of 40,000, 50,000 people and millions of people watching. Dog, yes, thing is like, it's a heavyweight, dog. It's a yes, heavyweight. It, yes, it's large, man. For real, man. And so kudos to you guys. Good luck to you guys. Wish you guys number the best. Go down and do your thing. Um, and whoever it ends up being, whether it's Florida A&M or whether it's the Prairie View A&M Panthers, whichever team it is, Man, you better bring your hard hat and be ready to play ball because this is a tough game to win. But in the meantime, between time, we're going on over here to these other people's backyard and uh <laughs> and take a couple pieces of sod and get some seed, and take some trees up. You know, what I'm saying? we're gonna we're gonna do some damage in their backyard. That's all I'm saying. We're gonna go back there and do some damage, and uh, you know, we're gonna represent. We're gonna represent for HBCUs, man. So uh, in a way that our our friends over down the highway just they just can't do it. All right, listen. <laughs> You just you just don't send kids to do you just don't send kids to do grown men job. You know what I'm saying? Like we just gotta do it. So since they can't get it done, and since our friends in Nashville can't get it done, and our little buddies up in Hampton, Virginia don't can't get it done, we'll go over there and get it done. Well said. Well said to close out this segment. Uh Davis Richards, 19 of 21, 386 yards and five touchdowns. That's the way. Uh, to put a final nail on the six total, season. six total, six total. Doc, he had a rushing touchdown yesterday too. Six and total, and six further total. expanded the record. And further expanded the record. Exactly. Let me make sure I get that in there. Great call. We'll be right back after this last break. We'll come back and get some final thoughts, and we'll call it a day. 
When it comes to professional learning, teachers deserve better. From the leader in online learning, Stride brings you the Stride Professional Development Center, an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that gives teachers choice and flexibility, allowing them to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. It's time you take charge of your learning. Visit us today to get started. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love, love, and who the ball, so listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. Give a shout out to Ladarius Owens who eclipsed 2,000 yards on the season. He was 25 carries for 143 yards and three touchdowns. The young man just continues to chug. Uh, but uh, with that said, unfortunately, in terms of Texas Southern, that side of it, they lose. But shout out to the Golden Lions. We said to everybody, that this team will fight you. They may not be as talented, uh, small in terms of they own a lot of different positions on the field, uh, but they push through, and it's not usually because they lack effort. Um, they got going yesterday. They were down at half, uh, literally um, 31 to 7. Um, and in uh, third quarter, they outscored the Tigers just 6 to 3. But the fourth quarter was an implosion or explosion, depending on which side you want to look at, as the Golden Lions put up 22 points uh, to get it done, 35 to 34. Shout out to Higgins, 15 to 37, 193 yards. And then Jamison on the ground, 10 carries for 113 yards to get it done. And the Golden Lions out a game, Texas Southern Tigers, 391 to 337. Uh, big victory for the Golden Lions in terms of that. But shout out, most important, to Ladarius Owens, the way he closed out the season and was just a workhorse for this team uh, in terms of that. Uh, let me go to you, Charles. Any final thoughts in terms of this season? We're pretty much to the close. Obviously, we will give B.J. Jones some chance to not only give his thoughts, but also talk about the Bayou Classic, uh, which still is going to be a legendary game because it's the 50th one. Uh, in terms of what that looks like. But, Charles, your final thoughts uh, on this season thus far? Uh, yeah, it's been a top turvy season. I uh, 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 think everybody predicted with regards to the Slack West. Uh, it definitely played out. Uh, I definitely want to tip my hat to the Howard Bison. Uh, heavy as the head that wears the crown, and they 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 
they took down the champion. They took down the North Carolina Central Eagles. So you you tip your hats to to Howard with regards to uh, that was a, a complete team. When you take a look at North Carolina Central, uh, a physical team. Davis Richard, one of the best HBCU football, and the Bison were able to get it done. So uh, they are the MIAC representative in the Celebration Bowl. So you tip your hat to them, uh, and you're looking forward to these uh, to this sweat championship game. I, I think this is going. Not going to be a repeat of what you saw with uh, Florida A&M versus Prairie View earlier. Uh, so I think the script is yet to be written, but it has been a fun season thus far. Good stuff, good stuff. Let me go to you, Erica. What are your thoughts on this season in totality? Well, three quick things. First, um, we talked about on HBCU Nightly if anybody was going to come out of the MEAC unscathed, and I said no emphatically. And I'm, I'm really glad that worked out that way. Um, the MEAC is a gauntlet. We only have six teams, but it's really hard to, to win in the MEAC, especially when our teams are playing really strong out-of-conference schedules and they're coming in like test battle-tested into MEAC play. So that was really cool to see. Also, like Howard, of course, I'm happy for my team. You know, we, we lost three games in a combined total of seven points. We lost two games by three points, another game by one point. We've either let slip away or been in these games most of the season. You know, you're talking about a nine and two record versus a six and five record, depending on how momentum shifts and how the cookie cum- the cookie crumbles. So um, I'm very proud of how they, they pulled out at the end of the season. And lastly, I want to give a shout out to our quarterback, Quentin Williams. I have had my critiques over the season. Um, especially in how I believe he manages pressure and crush time situations. But I'm very, very proud of him. Very impressed with how he came through at the end of the season and managed these games um, and really pulled out wonderful victories. So I just want to give a shout out to Q Williams. I am eating crow. Um, And it's made me learn a lesson about flashy quarterbacks versus those who stay the course and can get you your yardage, move you down the field in a very systemic, systematic way. Um, and that's what he's shown all season. So shout out to Q Williams. Wow. Uh, go to you, Joshua Sims Sr., in terms of your thoughts. Well, look at God, boy. Look at him. <laughs> yeah, that was oh. a little different, man. You know, Josh, she just in the special way she does. Tennessee Wait. State, talking about the FCS playoffs, Tennessee State, I believe, is the last HBCU to win a playoff game back in 2013. They defeated mm-hmm. Butler 31-0, and then they won, went into the second round and lost to Eastern Illinois 51-10, just to give you an update. So it'll be interesting to see Central as they get back into it. With that, let me pass it. Joshua Simpson, thoughts? Yeah, man, this this is, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, been an incredible season, man. Uh, you know, I know we we laid the rest of the regular season yesterday for the most part. Still got the Bayou Classic, still got the Turkey Day Classic. Um, but for the most part, we laid the rest of the um, the regular season yesterday. And this was an incredible season. Uh, you know, on behalf of us, you know, HBCU Nation, we apologize we laid the ball down, man. We dropped the ball on this one. You know what I mean? It was a big-time opportunity between, you know, what we thought was going to be two top ten teams playing in there. But you got to give your hats off, man. Listen, man, this is this is heavyweight. This is heavy. This is a heavyweight gauntlet in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. And I'm going to continue to keep saying this, man. This structure that we have in the MEAC is perfect. It's perfect, man. 
I know we want to add teams, and I know the whole country want us to add teams because they want us to have a MEAC championship game, and I'm, I'm cool with that. Man, I don't have no problems with everybody's opinion about it, but you look at how we structure. You look at how a team like a Howard plays two FBS teams in their non-conference schedule, plays a uh, two two FCS teams in their non-conference schedule as well from other conferences, plays a Morehouse in a classic game, very similar setup for North Carolina Central. Morehouse and Howard are, you could consider them academic rivals, man. Those are those are schools that we know when we think about it from an academia standpoint, they are in, in competition with each other. So to see them playing that game, very similar to us with some state. We're going to continue to keep playing with some state. That's a rival of ours. As long as when we playing against these other teams that's in FCS, that's outside of our conference, we keep beating them. Look at how this setup provides an opportunity for teams in our conference to really run the table. To really have an opportunity right now, the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, just like the SWAC is going to have in a couple weeks, has two teams that's getting ready to be playing right now. And I get it, man. I know the entire country, man, has been hammering, hammering and clamoring on the MEAC to add teams, and we're going to add teams. We're going to add some programs. We are. When the time comes, man, you guys will get a chance to see it, that the MEAC was ready to do it when it was time. But I like this setup, man. You almost are playing three different seasons. And so my final thought as it pertains to my final thought for the regular season right now on the show is, man, I like this setup. I enjoy this setup. And look at how much of a heavyweight gauntlet it is in the MEAC when you got a defense like a Morgan State, which in my opinion was one of the best, if not the best defense in all of FCS football this year. You look at a Howard team who down the stretch just wavered the storm, man. They carried the storm. Uh, I'm going to be at Erica's neck about Delaware, that Delaware State game this all season the same way she was about me with Delaware State this season. But we'll get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But heavy is the head that wears the crown, and we will have to take our crown off and hand it to somebody in a few weeks. And I look forward to that opportunity, man. And, and this was just an incredible season. Chuck, I know you wanted to ask me something. I, I got to jump in with this. Uh, until that time comes when the MIAC uh, adds a team or two, because of the schedule you play, will you always have a leg up in the celebration bowl? I don't I don't know, man. I don't know, man. When you when you look at these last three weeks of 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 MEAC football, I'm not sure you can call that a leg up. Look, man, playing in the cold in October and November is not fun, man. I I have gone on record and said I hate, I hate it. In all of my years of playing football, from a kid all the way up to a young person, young adult, I hated playing football in the cold. I told everybody that game was going to be a low-scoring, defensive slugfest yesterday. What we get? A 14-7 championship game to settle who was going to the celebration mode. Dog, Howard is going to need all of them weeks of recovery to get over that gauntlet they faced yesterday. That that thing they faced last week, last night, yesterday? They're going to need all the time to recover from that. So I'm not necessarily sure if it gives us a leg up because I've always heard you got two different sides of it. You can be super rested, not prepared, having not put in enough, having not got any live reps in the, in the time off, or you can be, you know, really kind of dry and, and come in, you know, dull, and you're not really prepared to play in the game. I've seen it on both sides. I think for the Southwestern Athletic Conference – especially in a situation like this where it's clear now, it's Prairie View and it's FAMU. Last year was different. I mean, you had to wait all the way up to the Bayou Classic 
to really know who was going to be playing in the SWAC championship game. So it, it provided for a different situation. This year mm-hmm. is clear. This year is clear. It's one additional game in the middle. And I don't think that that game has as much of an effect on the outcome of the Celebration Bowl as people, as we want to give it credit to. I do believe that there's some sort of effect. I would love to study it, but I don't think it has that much of an effect. I don't think it gives a leg up, Chuck. I, I, I don't think it gives a leg up. I would rather be continuously playing and building consistency, right, and building habits and building consistency, continuously playing, than sitting at the crib for three weeks and not playing and not getting any live game reps. Mm-hmm. I don't think – sorry to interrupt. I don't think the extra time gives us a leg up. I do think playing Harvard, Eastern Michigan, Northwestern, Hampton, et cetera, gives us a little bit of an edge. But maybe I might be devaluing SWAT competition, but you guys stay in conference all season. Y'all start off in the conference, you finish in the conference, you know. So I will say, and we saw that same thing with South Carolina State when they went to the Celebration Bowl in 21. You know, they came in with a six and five record, but they had a very tough out of the conference schedule and they were able to go in there and take it from take it from Jackson State when everyone thought that we were going to get trashed. And so I'm hoping for a similar scenario for us. But I do think, you know, we've played a very strong out of conference schedule against a lot of different opponents. We travel, we've gone to cold places, you know, we played tough. So I think that has to count for something. Hopefully they rise up for the next couple of weeks. And that's what I was alluding to. Uh, the schedule uh, plus the rest, uh, does it equal the perfect uh, sort of equation to 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 success in the celebration bowl? I do, I do, Chuck. I do think that the MEAC probably is has the per- most probably best and best setup of all conferences in all FCS football. I, I think they do because you get for the first six weeks of the season, you can go out and go and go get your respect across the country you know, away from us, away from our people, away from us. And then for the next six six weeks, you battling us to try to make your way to the Black College National Championship. I think that is literally the most perfect setup in the world. And and I hope that the SWAT can find a way. I know it's difficult. But some of the programs in that conference have shown that they can and 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 they can have a similar setup. I just hope that that it can be uh, more more uh, prevalent across the entire swag landscape because it really does. It provides an opportunity for, for teams to jump on the page and do some things like Howard has done this year and really, really take steps forward as a program. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little different in terms of analyzing that. I, I think we make that more than it is. Obviously, the sample size of the games um, – makes it challenging to have that argument because we just hadn't had enough of them. But what I always fall back on to the games that we have, other than pretty much two games, all the games have been close. So it would be different if you, you know, it's credit to the MEAC that they won those close games. I think that's one thing that we have to be clear because People in some ways think when you're talking about this as if you're trying to discredit the MEAC. I want to make that very clear that the MEAC has significantly done what they need to do to win the majority of those games. But when you start getting the argument about weeks off and these kind of things, I think it's a little more difficult for me because if it was that much of an advantage, I think it would play off in terms of the scores of the game. 
these games have been close, which means it is the perfect matchup. To, and what Sims is talking about is when you have two championship teams and the quality goes into whatever gauntlet you were playing, whether it was an eight-team MEAC schedule or a five-game MEAC schedule, you see going through a conference schedule with folks that know you, different styles of play get you ready to play another championship team going through eight games, a conference championship rivals. They are talented teams, and when they come up, the only thing that happens with the championship game, there must be someone that wins, which means there is someone that loses. That's just the what we love about sports, particular championship competitions. And when you do that, they tend to be close, and I think that's what you see um, when um, those two teams match up, other than essentially two matchups. And I think our memory uh, allows us to focus on South Carolina State. But again, if you look closer at their schedule, South Carolina State that year had two FBS programs. They switched just one of those, and all of a sudden you don't have a 6-5, you have a 6-4 team. They were close in one of those non-conference games. They win that. So they, they were right there on the edge of being something that you overlook at 6-5 and five versus being 8-3. and three. So, yes, you have Howard come in at 6-5, and five, but they were right there with Hampton. That could have easily been 7-4, right? Uh, they have a slip-up in terms of their conference play. So they could be an 8-3 and three team. Now, I know your record is what your record is, but I'm saying if you really start to look closely at these things, and get outside of your normal mode and not be quote unquote lazy. And this is not being disrespectful to anybody talking about it, but sometimes I don't think we go into the details as much as we can because it becomes easier just to have the trite words to say this and this and that. Now I know Charles, that's not what you were doing. You were trying to get it on the table so we can yeah, discuss yeah. it. Right. Exactly. So I yeah. appreciate that. With that being said, BJ Jones, we saved the best for last. Thank you for being patient. You got several things to talk about. Your final thoughts on the season, the Value Classic, and you can get in and have your thoughts in terms of the Celebration Bowl in regards to the matchup between MIAC and SWAC in regards to the schedule that we just talked about. Take it away. That's a lot. I'm going to hit all of it. This season has showed us the more that we know, the more we actually don't know. Um, <laughs> you got the prognostication, you better put it in pencil and be able to erase it and go back. Yeah. Two weeks ago, we were talking about the Celebration Bowl probably being the best Celebration Bowl that we've seen. Two top ten matchups and how that would be marketed and, and, and just the excitement. Everybody had went ahead and penciled FAMU in the game and penciled Central in the game. Things happened. So uh, Alcorn State beat Southern. All, everyone, hey, Alcorn going to Tallahassee, that's a big matchup. Alcorn going to Tallahassee with potentially eight wins. Man, now that SWAT championship game looks a little bit better. Yeah. Texas Southern had different plans. Now Prairie View's back in it. Um, it's, it's, this is why we play the game. And this is mm. why the game isn't played on paper. Uh, we just knew all year that Central was going to be in Atlanta. You just called the at the North Carolina Central, uh, Invitational. Central's going to be there. Howard had other plans. Uh, this is why we play the game. This is the beauty of this sport that we call HBCU football. Bayou Classic coming up, 50th anniversary. I just think about all the me the memories and, and 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 games that we've had there. Coming into this ball game with an interim coach for Southern, uh, Hugh Jackson, uh, 
uh, coming in, didn't have the best season for Grambling. I think it's still the Bayou Classic. I think it's going to be a hard-fought ball game. And I'm excited to see uh, the who's who's going to show up for, for, for this one. And then we talk about the the MEAC. I, I would like to see the MEAC add maybe two teams, maybe get, you know, the seven teams from the football standpoint. I would like to see them play a, a championship game for this reason. I like that the fact that the MEAC is able to get a team in the Celebration Bowl and a team in the FCS playoffs. And and that gives everyone, you know, some motivation. So we don't make the Celebration Bowl. There's a consolation prize. So I, I, I like that workaround and Man, where has this season gone? I feel like we just started this thing being down in Montgomery. Uh, uh, Erica was able to make that trip uh, with, with me and my wife and family. And now, man, we're talking about talking about Bayou Classic and the matchup is set for the SWAT Championship game. It's like we wait for this thing all year. It gets here and boom, it's gone. But, you know, that's the, the beauty of HBCU football. Man. Uh, well said, well said, and we'll close it on that note. This is what you have when you check out Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Hope you enjoyed it. We certainly love having you. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Bianca Bill, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Shout out, Doc. Uh, one smoke for all those champions out there as they got it done. With that being said, with two of the members, actually, we have all three today, Erica Lee, uh, B.J. Jones, and Joshua Sims Seniors of X's and O's. That's B.J. Jones, curator of the HBC Weekly, Joshua Sims Senior, curator of the HBC Nightly. Make sure you uh, are following these individuals, particularly over the next couple of weeks. You'll get announcements about some things that will be happening in Atlanta as they will be doing the thing and be stepping up center stage. Obviously, Charles, Mike, and I will be doing our customary uh, moments in terms of Radio Row covering the games. We'll even get some stuff in because we will be heading down to Tallahassee. So we'll give you the insight in regards to what the landscape looks like. We'll give you some backdoor. We'll get you some questions. We'll be on the media call, so we'll be all over the place to make sure you get your customary insight in terms of the road to a championship, Celebration Bowl, uh, as well as the first step with the SWAC championship game on the SWAC side of things. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watch and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time, and on Sunday at 9 a.m. during the football season. So we have a couple more of those to wrap up as we get it going. We look forward to next week as we discuss the latest in the lab. We'll talk a little bit more basketball as we got a little break before we get into it. We'll sneak some of those things in there, some big wins by these basketball programs. Shout out to Delaware State as they kick off the matchups between MEAC and SWAC teams. They got it done against Gramlin. In Atlanta, Delaware State got a win over Gramlin men's mm. basketball. We have a couple of more coming up with Howard facing Jackson State as well as Texas Southern. Uh, and so there's some key matchups. We have a South Carolina State of Bethune Cookman. We also have a Alabama State uh, matchup uh, with South Carolina State. So we'll keep you updated on what those were saying. Erica, what were you going to sneak in there? Oh, it's the same day as the Celebration Bowl, unfortunately. Yeah. Vegas. I'll be doing double duty. I'll fly up uh, Sunday because they're actually Saturday and Sunday. So you have two games that will be the same day as the Celebration Bowl. But then you have two on Sunday. So I'll catch the red eye, be up bright and early after uh, having probably too much fun with these ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Saturday night. 
but I'll be on that fly uh, plane and I'll be able to catch the two games in Las Vegas. I did it last year. Uh, Rough is the crown that the Dean wears of covering HBCU sports, but that's the expectation from my followers. So we'll find a way to get it done. Oh, and Dr. Follow me. Sure. Howard is in the volleyball women's championship today against Coppin State. So we're trying to go. Ooh, thank two. you for making sure we get that in, having that love. Charles? Jackson State is in the uh, swag volleyball championship against FAMU. So uh, be sure to catch both of those games. We yeah, against swag volleyball championship. It's been really, really exciting action. Been on the edge of my seat. Shivery's not dead. School down the highway is in the badminton championship. This weekend. <laughs> <That's too many. laughs> Oh, man. On all, and on that note, you can follow me at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-J-C-A-V-I-L, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's what we do here. We love our HBCU sports. If we didn't love you, we wouldn't give you because <laughs> we didn't care. Inside the HBCU Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. With that being said, make sure you download my JVN, my BCSN. We'll be doing a lot of coverage. We'll get you some coverage on your mid-majors. You know we go in-depth on your major division. We're going to do something special uh, with this being in uh, Roy's backyard, if you would, BCSN. So make sure you check those things out. Obviously, yesterday we had Carlos Brown doing his thing. Today, uh, this evening, we'll have Brian and AD as they get you going with sports wraps to wrap things up. They'll give you the playoff picture, let you know where North Carolina Central uh, is in in terms of the FCS and whether they're hosting or not. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Horse. Joshua? Lecture. DJ Jones and Eric? Dismissed. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>